Fantastic, fantastic. So lovely to see you all this morning. My name is Gabe Phillips and uh, super excited for Burnout. There's a whole bunch of other people who are getting baptized as well today at lunchtime. Don't worry, we're not going to do it now. Don't worry. Unless you're on key? No? No, 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 take this. It's lovely to see you. These are some of our favorite days when, uh, when people put feet to their faith. Not just uh, saying talking a big game, but actually saying, God, I'm going to do what you say and trust you with the results. So I think that is what is, is called following Jesus. So I just want to say well done for everyone getting baptized. That's super exciting. But this is not just exciting for them. I believe this is a reminder for what God wants to do for all of us. And um, there's some things that you need to know about redheads. I know notoriously we're good at everything. Come on. The list of what we're good at is too long for me to even start naming, so I won't. I won't name all the things we're good at. But uh, one thing that redheads are not famous for, especially redheads who are skinny, pale, and come from Zimbabwe, so this might be just my own personal conviction, but uh, we are not famous for uh, things that to do with uh, aquat- things of aquatic nature. Swimming, water, the likes. And, uh, and this reaches back into my childhood. I thought I'd just divulge a little bit of my pain from my past. It's alright if we do a bit of a counseling session here today. Um, the reason why I've always been a bit averse to water um, of any kind, shape, form, uh, I've always been a little bit nervous of it. Well, it, it held back to uh, days in my junior school days when um, I had quite a sadistic junior school um, swimming coach. Uh, she was quite sadistic and maybe it was just in my immature mind at the time, but I, I feared this woman. Uh, a woman who shall not be named. She who shall not be named. Shucks fear my, my heart just to name her as well still. But we used to do team swimming come uh, summer, winter, autumn, spring, whatever, come rain or shine. We were there at 6 in the morning and it was cold. Especially for a little boy who weighed 25 kgs at his height. And uh, this was, it was cold and I just, I just I did not love it. And, uh, and I tried to protest, I always tried to get out of swimming where as, any way I could. I could. Um, and it got to this one moment, a gala that I can remember distinctly, which was going to happen in the afternoon. And uh, I was playing on the playground that day, and I fell, and I fell awkwardly, and something, something happened to my arm. And there was huge discomfort, searing pain. So I hobbled all the way up, limping, even though my arm was limping in pain, you limp all the way up to the, the, the sick bay, up to the... And, and uh, hoping at the office I was going to run into the sympathetic nurse, the sympathetic secretary, but lo and behold, I walked into the sadistic t- swimming coach. And she knew, she said, no, 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 Gabriel, we, I know, this is just a elaborate plan for you to get out of the garden. I said, no, ma'am, it's sore. She said, no, 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 you're going to swim today. I've had enough of your excuses. We're just going to rub deep heat on that. And uh, so vigorously, she rubbed deep heat. And my, my, my whole body just started to, I started to scream with my eyes. And I was like, oh, thank you, ma'am. And weeping, tears coming down. And that afternoon, I, I jumped on the bus, went and swam this garlic. Because she's like, no, we're not going to have any of that. Swam the garlic, there's two lengths, with a searing pain in my right arm. And uh, later that day, when I got home and still complaining, my mom took me to the do- doctor. And we found that out that I had a broken arm. <laughs> and I had swum uh, 50 meters of uh, freestyle with a broken arm. So uh, I think I'd be excused. Well, maybe that was some of the trauma. Maybe it's a little bit later in life, when I was in grade 8, when I was in high school. And my parents knew thought my swimming days were behind me and I was called up to uh, swim in the 50 meter freestyle again. And uh, I realized the day before I had no costume, so I had to borrow my older brother who was about 30, 40 kgs heavier than me, his speedo. And, um, and that thing, I said, Mom, this thing doesn't fit me, it looks like a nappy. And uh, to a teenager who was very insecure already, I had to just tie that a little bit tighter. You know, just pull that string a little bit tighter. And it just sagged there and I had to swim in this race. And uh, I didn't do very well. I came eighth out of eighth and uh, finished. I got even, you know when you, it's a two lap race and you get lapped. 
So I don't know whether it's that maybe if somebody's studying psychology, you want to help me pinpoint my trauma, we can talk later. But there's something about water that really it's, I just seem to shy away from. Now, I tell all that to tell you today that I have a thesis that I want to bring to you. I've been reading the Word of God and something has been leaping out to me in a, in a fresh way like I've never seen it before. But I want to tell you that, that maybe this is the way, the segue I need to do it, to bring it from the story to the scriptural truth. Is that the Holy Spirit doesn't operate like a redhead. Let me tell you what I'm meaning by that. We'll get there. Hold on, stick with me. The Holy Spirit seems to be attracted to water. As I read scripture, it seems like the Holy Spirit is attracted to wet places, to things that are, are, are full of, of, of water, of moving water. It just seems to be all over the scriptures. I want to take us on a journey today. Yes, we're going through the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation today. So cancel your plans. Buckle yourself in. We're going to be here a while. Just joking. We'll do it at times two speed if this was a podcast. But I want to help us because I really believe today, as Mish started to sing and, and, and declare God's uh, promises of an invitation to a fresh encounter with Him, I want to ask you the question, are you in any shape, uh, form, or maybe spiritually, emotionally, physically, you're feeling burnt out, you're feeling weary, you're feeling dry? If you can say yes to any of those questions, I want to tell you today is your day. It's my day. I believe God has got an invitation to us that's going to rock us. And shape us and change us irrevocably forever. Who's up for that? Yep. Yep. Give me a wave. Give me a wave. Give me a wave. Wonderful, wonderful. So I wanted to say I'm so excited to preach here. I'm really excited because I really do believe this atmosphere here in this upper room is charged with expectation. Yep. It's charged with anticipation. I really believe God can and will do anything to us yeah. if we lean in with faith. So Father, I pray for us. Your thirsty people. Yeah. Your hungry people. And I thank you that you would move in a fresh way in our hearts. I thank you where we are, where we may be feeling burnt out, where we feel weary, where we feel dry or arid, or maybe things just don't, not, not where they should be, God. I thank you that you would pour out your love today and that we would encounter you, not religion, but encounter you in a fresh way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, here we go. You guys all ready? The Holy Spirit is attracted to, to wet places, to water. How do I know that? Well, page one starts like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It says that the earth was without shape. It was formless, empty, and dark. But it says this, but the Spirit of the living God was hovering over the deep waters. So before anything in creation happened, the Holy Spirit Himself is hovering over the deep waters. I don't have time and I actually don't have the brain power to explain what that means, but it's there. Page 1, first stanza 1, it says the Holy Spirit, even before anything else has happened, is hovering over the deep waters. Stick with me. Page 2, Genesis chapter 2, God creates this incredible garden of pleasure, Eden, meaning pleasure. A place where He puts humanity to thrive and live in fullness and the pleasure, the joy, the perfect, perfection of relationship with God. And out of that place, in the middle of chapter 2, we find that there was a river flowing through the Garden of Eden, and it broke into four strands. And you can go read all about that again, I'll say it. I don't have the time or the brain power to explain all that is going on there. But the Bible is explicitly telling us that from the chapter 1, there's the Holy Spirit hovering over deep waters. Chapter 2, in the center of Eden, or going all the way around, out of Eden, around the world, and it says flowing east out of Eden, is this river that's flowing. There seems to be some symbiosis between God's working and water. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter 3 happens. And man sins. Man pull, violently pulls himself out of relationship with God. Uh, pulls himself away from God's plans, purposes. And, uh, and it's not just something that happened. It's something that happens still to this day. 
me included, where God is on the move and we something happens and we pull ourselves out of what God is trying to do in and through us. And what happens because of the curse of sin is that man is separated from God and we're told that as they are, they are, they are, told, they are told to go to leave the garden, leave the garden of Eden, the garden of pleasure, perfect union with God. And as they step out of Eden, out of this place that is flowing with life and goodness, they step into a wilderness journey. And what the, they said when they go out of those gates, it's called, they step out east of Eden. A place removed from Eden. East of Eden. And that, from that moment, from those three chapters, we set up the whole narrative of what the Bible is. From that moment forward, from Genesis chapter 4, as you keep reading in the text, that you can sum up the whole of the Old Testament, is Israel in the wilderness trying to get back to the water. So the title of my sermon today is The Water and the Wilderness. So you, you guys, this is Bible 101. We're covering books at a, a rapid pace here. You guys, wow, look at this. But I love this understanding. So I want to say it again today. Do you feel dry, weary, burnt out in any shape or form in your relationships, in your emotions, in your psychology, in your, in your spirituality? Today is your day. Today is your day. You see, from the rest of we keep reading Scripture. I don't have time to do this justice, but it's everywhere in Scripture. All the way through Scripture, when God starts to promise His fulfillment back to Israel, saying that actually I have not forgotten you in your wilderness journey. I have not let go of you in your wilderness journey. I still have big plans for you in your wilderness journey. I want to pull you back to the place of my pleasure and my fulfillment and my life. I want to call you back to the water. There's always these promises from God all the way through Scripture. Psalm 1 is a, an incredible ind- indicator where we, we, we told, if you go read Psalm 1, about a river that's flowing, the trees that are, are always bearing fruits. Now, these Psalms were written not in a lush garden, in a place called Eden. These Psalms were written in the desert, in the wilderness. Saying so that is what we want. We want to get back to the water. We want to get to, back to fruitfulness. I want to get back to where it doesn't seem like a, a, where I have to dig deep every day to try and move myself forward. I want it to feel like I'm flowing. With God's provision. That's right. Anyone here want that? Yeah. Yes. Psalm 1 does that. Psalm 63, a famous psalm, David. It says this in your Bible, and my Bible says at the top, indicating where it was written. Explicitly it says, written by David in the wilderness in Judah. And this is what it says in it. He says, My soul, God, thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In this past and weary land where there is no water. He's saying, there's this ache inside of me for something that of, of your presence, God. And there's some connection. He says that in this wilderness world, I want something of the water of God. I want something of the flow of God. I want something of that, 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 that connection, that communion. We can keep going. In the book of Ezekiel, it lands this prophetic book. In a time when Israel is so far gone in their wilderness journey, they're not only there physically, they're actually there spiritually, emotionally, on every level, as a society, they have now walked even further east of Eden. They have gone deeper into their sin. They are doing the, going their own way. So God has raised up this prophet, Ezekiel, who's calling them back dramatically, calling them back to the water. But it seems that every voice, every word he speaks, the people turn and say, are we happy in our dry, arid, wilderness journey? We'll do it on our own, thank you. And it gets to this place, Ezekiel 47, where you start to have this vision. And it's this dramatic vision where he talks about, he says, says, I see the temple of God and I see a river flowing out of the temple. And this is the language he uses. He says, there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple. I love how scripture works. It's all connected. It's all telling one story. And he says, I had this vision. I saw a river flowing out the temple, flowing eastwards. 
flowing into the wilderness, flowing east of Eden, flowing into the places of dryness, of, of, of an arid nature. I, and this uh, book of Ezekiel is one of warning and, and doom and gloom. But he says, let me end it on this note. I see a vision that God is going to pour out His water into the spaces that have been so wrecked and dry. And this is the, the incredible narrative that goes on. And it says this, it says, he starts to talk, and maybe you've seen this before, you've heard it before. He says, I have this vision. This is a man came, an angel came, and started to lead me in this vision into this river. And he said, he led me into a place where it was ankle deep. Just ankle deep, you know? Just enough just to get wet, and just like in a little bit. And, and he said, he led me into this river, and as I was walking ankle deep, and he says, he measured out a little bit further. And then the angel of the Lord took me to where it was knee deep. I don't have, don't have enough water for this illustration, but just bear with me. But he led me to a place where it was knee deep, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit deeper. And I, and I could feel it. He said, keep reading Ezekiel 47. He says, then he led me to where it was waist deep. And eventually the, the whole story comes to a climax where he says, he led me to where I was in over my head, swimming. Where I was submerged in the water, where I was going with where the current went. I no longer had control of where you were taking me, but I was in this journey. I, I love this vivid imagery of the Old Testament, calling the people of God not just to just to just to dip their toes in what God is doing. Not just saying, come back just to religion and then, then move on with your life. Not just come have a sip and then go back into the desert. I want to take you on a journey. The people, though you have sinned. Uh, immensely, though you may have walked so far into your wilderness journey, maybe you have corrupted your own soul so deeply, and, and you think, I cannot ever get back to the presence of God. I want to tell you, God is saying, This is the journey I have for you, not just need you, not just wasting. I want to take you when you're in over your head with my goodness, submerged with my goodness. This is the incredible goodness of God, and I want to tell you today, don't stop short. This is a call to my own heart. I think we taste something of God, but then we pull back. We encounter Him in worship and we go, yes, that's, this is what I want. And then Monday comes and it feels like the distance between the water and the wilderness is huge. Yeah, yeah. Right. And we live as if, I want to get back there. When God said, no, no, the river needs to flow. It's going to flow through your life. Yeah. Yeah. We keep reading. The Gospels loom large and yet we get an incredible, the Bible, the whole Old Testament in a microcosm of two chapters. Matthew 3 and Matthew 4. Jesus goes and He gets baptized. And he gets baptized where? Yep, you guessed it, in water, the river Jordan. A flowing river. And as he goes in, the Bible says he doesn't go in and, and put his feet in and say, this is good enough, you know, I'm the son of God. I don't need to know the whole hog. No, no. He says, I'm doing this to fulfill all scripture. He goes and he's fully submerged in water, under the water, and he comes out of the water. And the Bible says this, that at that moment, the voice of the Father spoke, said, this is my son, declaring truth. And declaring uh, life into being. This is my son whom I love and well please. And what happens next? The Holy Spirit like a dove descends on him. That is Genesis 1. God is speaking. The word is present. And the Holy Spirit is descending right there. It is Genesis 1 happening again. Hovering over the water. As he comes out the water. And Matthew 4 tells us what happens. says that the Spirit of the living God led him into the wilderness. Matthew 3 and 4 is the Bible in one chapter. In two chapters. Jesus goes as us into the wilderness, encountering God, saying, this is where I'm from, but I'm going to go in the wilderness to redeem my people. Yeah. Call them back to the place yeah. where they're called to yeah. me. This is really good preaching already. I'm like, jeez, I hope they're recording this. Now, this is where it gets really good. Luke chapter 11. We keep reading. Luke chapter 11 looms, and Luke chapter 11, verse 24. You may want to write these down because these are deep texts, but we don't have time to investigate all of them. But it says this amazing thing in Luke chapter 11, verse 24. It says this. It says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, 
Or other words, when a demonic spirit has gone out of a person, when a demon has left a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I'll return to my house from which I came. So here's my thesis. The Holy Spirit is attracted to water. The demonic, the enemy, is attracted to dry places. When a demon leaves someone, it says, the, the ESV says it searches for waterless places to come to rest. The other versions of the Bible says it looks for a dry place, an arid place, a wilderness place. It looks for that space to latch onto. Now this is where I said to them, maybe you, you, you think, hey, this is not the motivational speak. This is spiritual deep truth here. That actually we have to understand this narrative that I believe that demonic strongholds are established in our lives. When I say established, where they take root and they, they lead us down a path we do not want to go and live in a season of dryness, of wilderness for much longer than we wish we could have gone down. Well, how does it happen? When we stop the flow of God's life in our lives. When we refuse to engage with the water of His Word, the water of His presence. The water of his of, of worship of a community, a flowing presence that calls us beyond ankle deep, beyond waist deep, beyond knee deep, into beyond what we can control. Yeah, it's good, game. Okay. Let me tell you, this is huge for us because you and I were not meant for dry, weary, burnt out living. Yeah. I say to you today: Are you dry? Are you weary? Are you burnt out? The invitation is here. Don't leave that way. Yeah. Don't leave that way. You see, I love this story. This is where we get to John chapter 5. Comes, and this is where I'd love to anchor us for just a little bit before we land. We find a story where Jesus encounters a man. He walks to a place called the Pool of Bethesda. Now, the Pool of Bethesda was this pool that was in the middle of Solomon's colonnade that had this massive pool there. And, uh, and what would happen there was all the sick people in the community would come and be brought there and would lie around the pool. And tradition, you can go read it in John chapter 5. Tradition was, or the spiritual climate of the day, was that once a day, an angel of the Lord would come down and would stir that water. And when that happened, the first people in that water would get healed. And obviously this actually did happen because they built a whole uh, system around this pool. So the Bible tells us there were blind people there, there were lame people there, there were paralyzed people. It was just, uh, it was like hospital bed after hospital, hospital bed that was laid around a pool. A thing of water. First person gets healed. Jesus arrives on the scene. As he walks into the scene, can you imagine wading through, and excuse the pun, wading through all these people, sick people trying to look around, and he spots one guy, an individual who this story centers around in John chapter 5, who has been lame. It says he's been lame, has not been able to walk for 38 years. And this is a guy who's been there for a long time. As you read the rest of the narrative, you realize him coming to the pool of Bethesda is not just a one-off thing. He's just trying to hopefully, let me, let me try it today. No, it's something that he has done again and again and again. He has been sitting by that poolside, but hasn't been able to get in for many years. Yeah. And this is the incredible thing. I love it. That he's been stuck at the water's edge, unable to get in. Sure, sure. And I think about my own life. So often there's areas in my heart that go, why have I allowed that to, why have I settled for that addiction, that, that, that dry space, that lack of devotion to God? Why am I okay with it? But for years I keep going to church, for years I keep going through the motions, for years I say I'm okay. I'm right by the water's edge, but refusing to get in. Yeah. Are you dry, weary, and burnt out? Don't leave that way. Yeah. I love this fact that Jesus comes to him, Jesus says this question, it's, Jesus is amazing. He comes to a guy who has not walked for 38 years, who has literally come and had people drive him every week or whatever mode of transport they have, put him on the back of the donkey every day. 
and put it at the water's edge every day. He obviously has an agenda he would love to get healed. Yeah. Obviously. Otherwise he wouldn't be there. But Jesus asked him this question. Jesus gets up to him and doesn't say, how are you doing today, bud? I'm sorry, tell me your backstory. Talk to me about the pain and the trauma. So you had a sadistic swimming coach. No, no, he doesn't go through any of that. Jesus doesn't do any psychology 101. Jesus walks up to him with a blunt question and says, do you want to get well? What? Why would you ask that to a guy here? Yeah, I'm like, obviously. obviously. But I love that question because actually I felt Jesus asked me the same question many times. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be used by God? Do you really want to know His presence? Do you want to get wet? Or are you happy just doing the religious game, lurking close to the pool? I've got these things, but actually I'm okay. And this is the amazing thing I love. When Jesus says, do you want to get well to this guy? His response is not yes or no. He responds, responds with an excuse. He says, every time, every time the water is stirred, other people get in there ahead of me because there's nobody here to help me get in. And isn't that the human condition? Yeah. Yeah. We always put the responsibility on somebody else. Somebody yeah. else hurt me years ago. I'm dry and weary and burnt out because that relationship failed. I'm dry and weary and burnt out because that person offended me. I'm dry and weary and burnt out because I'm holding on to this unforgiveness because that person really don't know what they did to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to re-arrest our hearts. Who are they and why are we allowing them so much power in our lives? Do you want to get well? Yes. Do you want to be free? Do you want the presence of God? That's what Jesus is here asking us today. And I want to say this. Do not put us full stop where God has not finished working. This guy, I am laying this in my identity, even though it was near it, he had put a full stop. Or maybe a different, uh, a, little, a little different English way to put it is, would you stop putting a comma in the wrong place in your life? We get stuck on this side of the comma. We get stuck where God is, is still working. We've been hurt. I'm not minimizing your hurt, your pain, your addiction, your journey, your story. But that's this side of the comma. But then we get stuck on this side of the comma. We get close to the water, but we say, I'm not going to get in the water. That's just the comma. That's just the pause before God says, I want to show you what I want to do with that pain. I want to show you what I want to do with that disease. I want to show you what I want to do with that offense. I'm going to heal it, redeem it, restore it. Not just ankle deep, not knee deep, not waist deep, but you're going to be in over your head with my goodness. And I'm going to take you from the wilderness to the water. Because that's what I came to do. So I want to say, don't settle behind the comma, the season of disappointment. The season of frustration, the season of anguish, of disqualification. You see, this is so huge. That word Bethesda, where it says pool of Bethesda. You still all with me? You want to yeah. The pool, That word Bethesda, the, the translators struggle to translate it because it can mean two different things. Beth, that first part of it is house. That's where we get Bethlehem. It's house of bread. Bethesda, house. They don't know what to do with the last portion because it, it could go one of two ways. It could be, and this you'll find if you go, you'll see an asterisk in your Bible. They struggle to translate. It could mean house of shame and disgrace. Or it could mean, in the positive, depending on which way you look at it, means house of mercy and grace. And I love the fact that that word, that name of that place could mean one or the other. And for that guy, for 38 years, he had settled into house of shame and disgrace. I want to get it, but I just can't. You know, they, no one helped her, X, Y, Z. 
When God says, do you want to get well, I will transform you, transform the house of shame and disgrace into a house of mercy and grace. If yeah. you just allow my water to flow. Yeah. Just open up, open up your heart, let my water flow. Then we see, we encounter, let's keep going, we nearly finished the whole Bible. <laughs> encounter Jesus, he goes to the cross, you see that story, let me finish it, Jesus, the guy, eventually he just looks and says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Boom. What took 38 years to disqualify him, took one moment to yeah. move into the water. This is, it's not a long journey back. It's repentance and say, let's go. Yeah. Back, jump in the water. He said, get in the water. Yeah. It's not about wait and go to a class and, and repent and do this, this many things, X, Y, Z. But no, jump in the water. Watch what God will do. Yeah. Jesus comes and uh, I love that story. I can talk so much about that story that so many people have all had their eyes on the pool, but no one saw the person of healing, the one who came with living water, the one who said, if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. No one saw the real healer walking through. Yeah. Only one guy has to still. Sure. Jesus comes and as he comes and lives his life, and eventually we find the culmination of life, he dies on the cross. The incredible thing I love about Jesus and about this whole Bible story is that we're told that as he was beaten, as he was mocked and he was bruised, as he was handed from official to official, eventually his crucifixion happened where? East of the temple. A place called Gethsemane. A place called Golgotha. A place out there. A place of the skull. A place of death. A place of wilderness. A place of aridness, of dryness. A place that was excluded from the presence of God. A place that Ezekiel, millennia before, had seen a vision of a river flowing out of the temple eastward. Jesus went and died in that place. And when he died, the scriptures tell us, that, and the hymn writers tell us, that a fountain opened deep and wide. Floodgates of God's mercy start to flow. Not just a little trickle, not just enough, but actually start to flow. When Jesus died, I don't know if you know this, but His blood just didn't pour out. It tells us that blood and water poured out. Blood and water poured out on the side. And in Psalm 22, tell me prophetic, He says, Jesus speaking, I am poured out like water. Poured out like water. Poured out. His blood is poured out for our sins, for humanity's defects, for, your, for the place where you feel so disqualified and shame for, the place that's so small, the place that you know that, I, I don't know what I can do with that thing, that relationship, that offense, that pain, that anxiety, that stress, that mental fatigue, that situation. I don't know. His blood poured deep into that space, east of Eden. East into the wilderness. The water of God needs that place there. Found us on that journey. Poured out. Yeah. I love this. We move on. Revelations chapter 2, 22. Last chapter in the Bible. This is how it starts to culminate. Is this. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. And no longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God, the Lamb will be there. The servants will worship Him. This whole Bible starts, Holy Spirit hovering over water, streams coming out of Eden, sent into the wilderness, but then Jesus redeeming them, says there's a vision, a, a flow that will come out of the temple east. Jesus comes and starts to call people back to the water, baptized, the Holy Spirit on them, sent into the wilderness to redeem His people, dies in the place of wilderness, pours out His blood, pours out His blood, a new flow that comes, it's not H2O, but it's actually His design from His Spirit, poured out of His flesh, His blood, redeeming for the healing of the nations, and this whole thing will culminate with that river flowing and the people of God in every sense of shape and form will be set free forever. Every curse broken in that place. Yeah. Yeah, That's the narrative of the Bible. From water, the wilderness to the water. From the water to the wilderness, to the wilderness to the water. And I'll say jump 
in. Yeah. Don't get stuck in the wrong place. Don't get stuck at the comma come and get stuck on this side. Don't put a parenthesis where you're supposed to be. God says, will you step in, step out of the wilderness into the water. Yeah. You guys got time for one more? Yes. So good. You, you okay, you ready for the killer, the killer blow? Mm. I, I just love preaching. I feel like I'm setting you guys up, setting you guys up. <laughs> it's the only time I've got power. Huh? <laughs> Isaiah 59 verse 19. Be on the screen. Scripture that you may know. May or may or not. If you've been in church circles, or be prayed at prayer meetings. It's a, quite a one that we love. It says this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Lord shall raise up a standard against them. Cool. Not cool. Bad translation. Yeah. The NIV... And here's your bad, bad translation. If you go read the original language that scholars have said, they've been trying to disagree, is that actually the problem here is the comma is in the wrong place. This translator got stuck on the wrong side of the comma. Yeah. This is how it's supposed to read. Next slide, please, under. When the enemy comes in, comma, oh, wow. like a flood, sure. the Lord shall raise up the standing yeah, against them. Sure. Yes. When the enemy comes in, I want to tell him not here to minimize. There, there is a demonic stronghold over dry spaces. If we yeah. do not take that to the water of God, we're allowing the enemy a grip in our lives. Yeah. You can say, I'm just feeling burnt out. I'm feeling, I'm just tired. I'm just feeling weary. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling addicted. And I just, you have responsibility. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get free? I'm not letting you off the hook here, but I want to tell you that the enemy will, you can stay on that side of the comma, but the, the real power is on the other side of the comma. Like a flood. He will raise up a standard. The word there of, of raise up a standard is this word nuva, which actually means to make flee. Sure. To make flee. If you want to set yourself free, you need the water of the living God to come flood your life. Yeah. Flood your life right now and it will make flee the enemy's work. It will yeah. make flee the enemy's strongholds. It will make flee yeah. the addiction that's gripped your heart. It will make flee the anxiety that's held you captive. It will make flee the depression. It will make flee whatever you are going through. This yeah. is the answer. When the enemy comes in, comma, I'm not staying on that side though. I'm not playing yes, on that side. I'm getting in the water. I'm getting in the water. Like a flood, yeah. the Lord yeah, will come so and raise good. up a standard and make yeah. flee the enemy. So good. Yeah. This is the gospel. This is what we are called to. And I want to tell you, so I'm going to call the band up in this moment. Because I want to tell you today, maybe you've allowed your sexuality to get to a dry space. You've allowed your sexuality to go into the wilderness. And you say, I don't know how to get it back. Maybe you've let your identity to go in the wilderness. Maybe you've allowed your unforgiveness and bitterness to go into the wilderness. And you say, no, I'm fine here. No, 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 you're not fine there. You've allowed a comma. You've allowed God, you've allowed the enemy's work to have that voice there. When God said, no, bring that back. Put that in the water. Put that in the water today. Allow that to go into the water and watch my spirit is attracted to weak places. This is, this is the, the understanding of we got. Whoa. <laughs> Dangerous preaching, <laughs> but I want to tell you today that the Holy Spirit doesn't fill somebody who is empty. Yeah. Right. Scripture says the Holy Spirit fills those who are thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be full. So I tell you today, I'm not here to make a mess. Maybe feel empty. That's okay. But I want to tell you today is time to take your emptiness and make it say, God, I want to be filled. In a dry and weary land where there is no water, I long for you. I'm jumping in the water. And maybe you'll feel like ankle deep. Maybe you'll feel like ankle deep. Maybe you'll feel like knee deep. Maybe you'll feel like waist deep. You say, no, I'm taking you in. And I want to tell you, this is what God wants to do. He 
wants to submerge us in His grace, flood our hearts with His love, and watch the enemy flee. Not just keep him cut. No, watch the enemy flee. I don't know about you, but I, I'm sick and tired of, of having dry, weary, burnt out spaces in my life. When I was made to flow in the presence of God. Again, I can tell you scripture, scripture upon scripture, and I haven't had time to get to that. From you, your inmost beings, waters of living, streams of living water will flow from you. It's supposed to not just flow for us in us, it's supposed to flow through us. We're supposed to be conduits of the presence of God. When people encounter us, they encounter the water of God, the, the, the presence of God, the two years of nursing this side of the comma, that we're not able to flow with healing. This is the goodness of God. Can we stand to our feet? This is the promise of God to you and I. Isaiah 35 says, Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool and the thirsty ground bubbling springs. Isaiah 41 verse 18 says, I will make rivers flow on the barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I, I want to tell you that God wants to, He wants in, in on the dry areas. But He's not looking for empty, He's looking for thirsty. Thirsty, hungry people. And I can't do that for you. I can tell you, I can lead you to the water. I can tell you there is the, the, the house of healing and grace and mercy and grace. You have to choose to get it. Yeah. And I want to tell you as I land this evening, this morning together, there's a story about Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls is a waterfall in America that flows and pounds and is loud. You get near it, you can't hear somebody speak. It just flows and flows and it's just huge and magnificent. And people see it, it's like, wow. It froze over one day, that's history. One day, the temperature got so cold, the Niagara Falls stopped flowing. It was on March 29th, 1948. And when it stopped flowing, people commented the biggest thing they saw, the biggest change, was the silence. But I want to tell you today, maybe you feel that you've, the silence, that you feel God has been silent on you. Maybe you feel you've walked so far in the wilderness, you say, God, where are you? How do I find my way back? I want to tell you today, your way back is His blood. Because His blood has not stopped flowing. It flows and it flows and it flows from Emmanuel veins. It flows with grace. It flows and it flows over every part of us. He doesn't just want a safe, neat church. He wants a people who will be submerged. He wants a people who will be submerged in His presence. Who won't be comfortable with ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. But if people say, I'm jumping in. With my boots and all, with my failings, my flaws, my brokenness. I'm not waiting to get whole. I'm coming to the place where I encounter wholeness itself. I'm not settling this side of the comma. I'm jumping in. I want in. I'm bringing my failures and putting it in the river of God, the water of God. If that's you, lift your hands with me today. God is wanting to pour, 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 pour into marriages, pour into emotions, pour into illnesses, pour into spiritualities that have got dry. He wants to pour and pour and pour, pour His presence out on us. He says, you are a people who are going to encounter my life. And where maybe the voice of the enemy has got loud, today I want to silence the voice of the enemy. Because when the enemy comes in, like a flood, like a flood, like a Niagara Falls, the water of God will come and drive him out. The water of God, the roar of the water of God silences the enemy. The roar of the water of God silences the enemy right now. So I thank you, Jesus. Why don't you call on his name? Call on his name. Give him your dry area. Name it. Say, this is my wilderness.